This podcast is brought to you by PencilPay. Take your wholesale credit applications online, collect the billing method, and control when you get paid. Welcome to Product Hub. I'm your host, Tim Demetriou. Today's guest is Chris Kiddo. He's the director of Consult Group and the Retail Excellence Program. Chris is one of Australia's leading connectors of consumer brands with major supermarket, pharmacy, and retail chains. He shares some amazing insights in how to approach, how to question, and how to present to major retail groups. So if one of your distribution targets is major retailers, listen in. Guys, today we've got um, Chris Kiddo. Chris is the director of Consult Group and founder of the Retail Excellence Program. Um, He's also an investor into FMCG brands. And look, I'm really excited about this podcast today, and I'll tell you why. So from a strategy perspective, I feel like what Chris, what's in Chris's head is the difference between um, a product scaling properly and being successful and not being successful. Um, there is an obvious execution risk all the time and a personnel risk. But um, when you talk to product businesses every day, like I do, it's clear that the better operators um, are all cut from a very similar cloth. So Chris, welcome to Product Hub. Great to have you. Mate, pleasure is a solid introduction. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> um, why, don't you why don't you give everyone just a brief little um, little overview of your your business, and then um, you know I'd love to dig into um, you know I guess why product businesses need the information that's in your head. Mate, definitely. It's um, yeah, you've, you've you've hit the nail on the head, so to speak. There, so mate, the yeah, glowing introduction. Really appreciate it. So for us, our business consult group, we've uh, a team of strategic sales-based uh, account managers and support staff, and we support Australian food and beverage brands um, to just scale business, just scale brand, and um, you know, challenge the, the status quo and, and take it to the next level. And, and our business and our team. Uh, based on the Gold Coast, but spread across the eastern seaboard. Work with all sorts of brands, all different categories, and just get involved at that small to medium size, scale up to large. And yeah, we just, we're just we an extension of a business sales team. So rather than having that really rigid built-out resource base um, in the current environment, um, we're able to work strategically anywhere around the country. So we just get involved to um, you know tap into new retail doors, uh, you know, and connect the dots between some, you know, maybe a manufacturer and a brand to have a different conversation or, or take things to a different place. So, um, yeah, heavily innovation. We like to get involved with the brands to take all that to the next level. And again, like just just challenge. Like we watch what we we've got such amazing resources at our fingertips here in Australia, and amazing ingredients, and really really clever people. We like to you know join those dots and see cool stuff happen. So made a lot of a lot of work with the um, the Aussie retailers. Uh, been around for a very long time. My business has been around for about three decades. Um, not as you see it today. It was, you know, heavily in brand itself and distribution and importing, et cetera. So, you know, our business back in the day had a very big hand in establishing the health food uh, market as we know it here in the country and then bringing a few brands to Australia, which are now staples in our pantry. Um, but, yeah, it's um, sort of evolved with the times and, and still have, you know, really, really strong relationships with all national retailers, um, you know, petrol stations. It's sort of yep. wherever, wherever there's a, uh, a transaction taking place from a consumer product, be it food or non-food, our business has had some play there before. So, And from our, from our previous conversation, you've made an enormous amount of really good business connections, um, obviously personal connections as well. And we all know that that takes a hell of a long time to create and it takes a lot of work and a lot of socializing and just a lot of relationship building, I guess. Um, can you give me a bit of a rundown on what led you to here? So what type of jobs did you do in your, you know, your early twenties and that type of thing to, to actually get you to the point where you do have these amazing relationships across all those major retailers? Mate, definitely. So it was actually, it was a great exercise for me coming into this to um, actually reflect it on my my work history and thank you LinkedIn for supplying that for me. So, um, you know, it's been a few years, but made about 15, 15, 16 years ago, I, I entered a um, small country town, New South Wales, um, originally born Brisbane, but was was local and a couple of supermarkets opened up there and just, you know, naturally found myself looking for a part-time gig as you do. And, um, you know, started out right at the humble beginnings, mate, pushing trolleys and stacking shelves and all that kind of cool stuff. And um, yeah, I sort of, started to understand a little bit more about, I guess, the way consumers interact with product and sort of went, okay, cool. I, I kind of don't mind this. And then, um, you know, sort of just followed that process through. And then just for me, I've just always 
um, you know, identified opportunities. And when they come at me, I just take them. I don't really look back. I just go, yep, cool. Let's just sort of go forward and see where we go. And I've kind of just let that lead me in, in my career. And I spent a lot of time at um, sort of Coles and Woolworths on that grocery sort of uh, in the shop side of the world. And then found myself in a place when I moved to the Gold Coast and basically went, hang on. I actually don't mind this, you know, interaction I'm having with a lot of these reps and, and brands coming in and sort of pitching to me going, oh, you know, Chris, we can do this, we can build a display. And I kind of started to understand, I was like, hey, I don't mind that negotiation, relationship building style. And then, you know, I, I got an opportunity to go and join a, a business called Kimberly Clark based in Queensland and, and just, you know, selling my first taste of sales in consumer product and, and mate, loved it. Learned so much about sales processes and client, you know, relationship and, and account management and those kind of things. And, yeah, sort of followed that through for a few years again. And then another opportunity arose where I had the ability to actually um, launch a brand. So I, I prior to that, obviously inherited a, a few portfolios, um, you know, established product into established channels, just, you know, negotiating and leveraging better outcomes for that brand and that portfolio. And it kind of realized I really loved the innovation side of things. I really loved that you know, that tenacious hunt and, and stuff like that. And went, hang on, I, I like this. It's, it's more difficult, a lot more challenging. You've got to kick in the right doors and eventually someone will listen. And, and found myself at a, a pharmaceutical manufacturer based out of Melbourne where we commercialised some, some really cool, um, better-for-you stuff to help uh, people that struggle with obesity and, and type 2 diabetes and things like that. So work with a team of dietitians to take this product to market and build our resources around it in the pharmacy world. Um, which, you know, become a little love affair for mine as well because you're talking about people genuinely go in there with issues and, and go out with solutions, which I think is, you know, a testament to the pharmacy industry, right? So sort of done that and, and it was good because we went up against some really big incumbents, you know, talking the Nestle's and the, you know, the big big guys of the world and I didn't have the budget that those guys had, so we had to play a little bit smarter, not harder. So um, really found my sweet spot in there that I was able to, have solid conversations about commercials with you know business owners, brand owners, category managers, et cetera, and just you know chip away at shifting that thinking. So it was really rewarding. Um, that business sort of got acquired by another uh, multinational where I sort of went, hey, I'm going to continue down the path of, of launching new brands and scaling small business and stuff like that. And kind of led me to where I am today. You know, Consult Group's a humble family-owned business in its roots and was based here in the Gulf for many years. And and sort of come to a place where it was, I could do what I was doing before, but I could do it with, you know, 30 different brands in 12 different categories and, you know, have 20 different conversations. So just the dynamics of that was really exciting. So for me, it's kind of, you know, you're always just honesty is the best policy. You're always transparent with the guys we deal with because, you know, it always comes back around, you know, your buyer pops up and he, he was over here now they're there or this, you know, lovely lady you work with now pops up at a new place and, those relationships forge over time and it genuinely pays dividends as you move forward. So yeah, it's kind of a, I guess I've always been on that, that retail side. I've always had a love mm. for product. I got a bit of a fascination for food when I, when I spent that time with dietitians. And then I guess I started to challenge what was in our food, you know, from a food perspective going, hang on, it might be cheap and cheerful, but it's not necessarily great. Right. So it's <laughs> kind of, you know, that was, it kind of, it led me to what my personal why was. So my personal why is about, you know, I get fulfillment from um, challenging the status quo and actually leaving other people in a better place by the work that I do. So whether it's a business owner getting a better outcome or a brand negotiating a better deal or a consumer getting a better product that isn't full of, you know, potential nasties, et cetera. So yeah, yeah it's kind of made leads me to where I am today. And, and now I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate that I get to do what I love um, and what I'm really good at with a team of, you know, incredibly, savvy switched on and, and smart operators to just execute strategy it's really exciting stuff for us so. awesome awesome can we take a step back uh, i'd love to learn a little bit more about um the sales and um the sales and account management side of things and how you see it i think for a lot of product owners some of them it doesn't come natural to to be out there spruiking a product and we all know that as an owner of a business or someone launching a business you need to be the best salesperson in the company yourself um, do you want to give me a bit of a rundown on probably the information that you would try and collect from a particular customer that you're trying to obviously sell your product to? I think salespeople often talk at people, talk at people and they pitch them as opposed to finding out information that they can use to their advantage a little bit later on that can actually be to the retailer's advantage and their customer's advantage. Can you give me a bit of insight of how you see that 
how you see that um, that that initial conversation as that information gathering or a pitching and that type of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's 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 fascinating now as we've been thrust into this world of of, of videos and you get a really small window of time and. And, you know, you're trying to sell your products and a lot of brand owners are really great operationally, but maybe this environment can, can be quite threatening. What I, mate, what I found and a real life working example for you is probably some of the questioning techniques that I use and our team use. And it actually resonates really, really well because some of the people that we deal with, retailers or brand, they're incredibly busy, so time poor. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to engage well positively, but they just can't get the information. So we like to... Um, you know, not get too caught up in what we believe we want to pitch and go in there without, you know, 20, 30 minutes of jamming it down their throat sort of thing. We like to do the exact opposite. So I normally open with a question, something along the lines of, you know, what would you most like to get out of this or what would you most like to learn from us? And it's great because you get really clear insights on where to tailor your your conversation from your buying group and and then for us and you know the unique part of our consult group when we work with retailers because we're in so many categories having so many conversations in so many places we start to pick up on that overarching business direction so from a, if it's a, a major retailer you know in supermarket or something we start to understand okay we've got a really good understanding of what these guys are driven by or or what might be their core competency or what they're really chasing so let's say sustainable packaging is a really hot one at the moment so we can sort of lead with that in our conversations and and i think that um when you're not privy to it you're not doing i guess at the frequency that we are having those conversations and understanding the dynamics of the account you can get a little lost um you know you, you i guess from a brand owner's perspective i've seen a lot of pitches they get really caught up in just wanting to get across how they do what they do like they really want to get that operational piece and what I've learned is majority of these brands are amazing at it. Operationally, they're sound, they get their products so well, but I think they really struggle to get the buyers or the, or the accounts or the retailers to just buy into why, because as you can imagine in this country, you know, walk down the tomato sauce aisle, for example, there's not one tomato sauce, there's, yeah. there's a bunch, right? There's there's choice. Correct. Choice. And, there's, and look, there's room for everyone to play, but I think how, like, how do you, how do you then stand out to that, to the crowd? Because everyone's got a proposition. And I think, by knowing that a uh, you know how time poor your you know counterpart is, and then just cutting straight to the chase um, and understanding what they want to learn, I think you can tailor your conversation, and that's that's definitely like become really prevalent for us. So, you know, in a thirty minute range review meeting, in ten minutes we've probably cut straight through all of the noise and got straight to the brass tacks, and then by thirty minutes we're really comfortable with where we've landed, and you know even if you can you get yourself that one hour meeting or something, you want to make sure it's incredibly valuable. And normally when we debrief with some brand owners, particularly before we get involved, we often hear that they get to, you know, you know, Chris, we, we kind of got to 60 minutes and, and felt like after when we recap, really get across what we needed or we didn't really sell our marketing properly or we're not sure that our commercials really landed. So yeah, it's, um, I guess back to your question, we like to lead with a probing question up front and it's not, that's not, that's not necessarily the most innovative of ideas in the sales world, but I think people have got a bit lost in trying to get their point across versus going, hey, mate, really nice to see you. Talk me through your category, what's working and what do you most hope to learn from me in this next 30 minutes? And then we can kind of get through some of that noise, which I think for us and, and for our business, our buyers remember that. You know, they, they just, they look at it and they go, you know what, consult groups involved, it's clean, it's polished, it's professional, it's so easy to deal with and we just get good information fast. So, um, yeah, mate, it's, I think to round back to sort of answer your question, that's that's one of the tools and levers that we pull to continue to build out what we do. Yeah, I think um, I, I tend to agree with you around, especially around the, the, the decent questioning at the start of every conversation cuts through the shit as well. Asking good questions, it cuts through the 19 things that you've got on your list that they don't want to know about. And you can just get to the one thing that they do want to know about. Um, yeah. What's important to them? So someone who um, someone who um, is just starting out because, you know, our listeners are anyone from a um, an established alcohol brand or FMCG consumer goods brand to a, you know, a startup that's got, you know, nine customers and is looking to build out their wholesale wholesale network through retailers, for example, independent supermarkets, et cetera. What would you say to someone just starting out? What type of information is important to um, a category manager or a buyer at one of these, you know, one of these retailers that you, that you tend to deal with? 
Matt, I think to leave a lasting impression, it's really good to put yourself in their shoes. And, and we can say, you know, I, I think like the buyer, I put myself in their shoes, but genuinely do it. Imagine how time poor one of these people are. Pick any aisle in any supermarket, how many brands they deal with, how many suppliers, how many moving parts. Plus there's 100 new suppliers kicking in the door because they've got the best collagen in the world or whatever it is, you know. So put yourself in the buyer's shoes. Um, take some of the workload out of it for them. Um, you know, have it really polished commercials built understanding your, you know your pricing etc get as much information as you can leverage people around you to get that information but um matt as a part of uh the online course that we built i do a big section on market research and, and competitor research so go and put yourself in front of the category go and stand in the, the liquor store or you know wherever it is and, and actually immerse yourself as a customer and find the gap What's, what's the overarching trend? What's the flavor profile people are picking up? What's selling out? What's the price point? Where's the price ceiling? You know, and then look at it if it's you know, a category like muesli bars. There's so much duplication. How are you going to add value? How are you going to be how are you going to be incremental, right? So that's the kind of language you want to use when you roll into your to your meeting to go, mate. Look at you know, testament to you. It's a tough category. There's a lot of big guys in there, but we've actually identified an opportunity, and we've noticed that sugar content is X, Y, Z in your products, and we believe that mums now want something healthy for their kids. This ticks all the boxes, no peanuts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Here's our proposition. Look, we're slightly above the category at 350. We're at $4, but we believe it adds extra value to your to your bottom line. And then from a buyer's perspective, they're going to look at it and go, wow, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Agree. You know, you've probably asked a good probing question at the start and he's gone, well, hey, you know, hey, Chris, yeah, great to meet you. Uh, I'm up for incremental sales. I'm trying every way I can to grow category value. I don't know how I'm going to do it with my current brands. There's only so many different flavors I can do. You've just led where and gone, hey, I'm, I'm going to try and stretch your customer from X to Z. This is how we're going to do it. Here's the support we're going to give you. And this is why the opportunity is so exciting. So I think mate, that's really, really powerful. That's really powerful information. And the second thing for any retailer, account manager, whether it's one store retailer or you know national with 5,000 outlets, the information is valuable, but gives them some form of proof of concept or risk mitigation because They've got a tough job. They're a real estate agent of space. You know, they're trying to find the right products to turn at the right times and keep it in stock. Um, show them how your brand can stand out from the crowd. And the beautiful part about the last couple of years is we've all pivoted and gone really hard online and everyone's doing a great job in e-com. Um, show that. Don't be afraid to open up to those retailers and go, guys, we've, we've got an EDM database of eight, 10,000 people or 800 loyal. We're, we're rebuying. Every time they come back, the basket grows like, Show them that there's momentum behind what you're doing and a bit of proof of concept that, hey, you know, guys, people are talking about keto and, you know, they can't get enough of what we're doing and this is our offer over here. So I think when you do that, you have the most powerful conversation, um, you know, then it's just a matter of them finding space, et cetera. But they can see that you've done some of the work, whereas, you know, I don't sit in every meeting, but I can only imagine that there's 10 other brands rolling in with the same similar story saying, but you want to take us because of this, but if you can walk in with genuine conviction, go, here's how big the brand is, here's what the customers are saying, here's the gap we've, we've identified. From a buyer's perspective, mate, they don't have a lot of time. You know, they genuinely have got so much to get through. They're becoming more and more time poor. They've got more and more spaces to buy for or, you know, categories to oversee. They don't have time to stand in front of a category and go, oh, you know what, Chris is right. And if we go up 20 cents on this product, it's going to win. They're going to look at it and go, you know, you've taken the legwork out of me. What else can you do? You know, what else have you got? Plus, they have to answer to someone as well. So if you can present the information and present the solution in a way where they don't have to do the work to actually sell it up, then you you probably are halfway there. Correct. And that is a really important point, right? Like they've still got a role to do, but the way that the hierarchy works, they've still got someone they've got to pitch the commercial to. Um, and, and they've got to justify that that business move against strategy and et cetera. So it's a valuable point. But I think, yeah. By doing that, you just leave them so armed with information. But if, if that buyer has to go back to their desk now and try and pull together everything you've delivered and go, all right, cool, I've got to string this together and put a bow on top, mm. mate, I'm sure they're glazing over pretty quick. You know? so, yeah, for sure. Definitely. For sure. Um, now, in your business, you do a number of different things. And I'd like to switch over to that if I could. Um, can you run me through the process that you take? Actually, first of all, if you could start with... Um, the type of brands that you deal with. So what stage are they at? How big are they? How much money have they got? And um, what are their, what are their, um, what are their aspirations as, as businesses at the point where you get them? 
Mate, definitely. So we we um we like to run a model because it's all very different. Where we can have conversations with with any brand at any stage. So our typical process is um, heavily word of mouth. Been around for a very long time. Networking and trade shows. What would normally happen in the process would be we would then throw them into um, we do some free discoveries. So we get on a video call together and we do something like this. Um, it gets quite nitty gritty. It gets quite intense. I like to really get down and dirty with the brand and the business owner to understand. Just the dynamics, who's involved, how many staff, what's the shortcomings, where's the barriers, what's our capital look like, have we got, what's our what's our tolerance for risk, where do we want to be? And, you know, the overarching question I asked a few people in Sydney, what do you want to do with your brand? And everyone goes, I want to be national. I like, yeah, get that. But what do you actually want to do? Like, are you trying to sell it? Are you, you know, is this a legacy for your kids? Is this just a side hustle because you're, you know, sick of swinging a hammer? Like, what does it look like? We need to understand that because um, to start with the end in mind, that's really important. But... We don't actually, in the beautiful part about our business model, we don't limit ourselves to who we work with because some categories we get involved in um, are so innovative and so new that we might have a zero revenue business, but we know where we're going to be. So example, we were very early into the, to the fake meat, vegan meat space. Um, you know, we'd be at businesses at exception, which we could see where we were going to be, but zero rev on paper, example. So then we would build out route-to-market strategies, marketing, et cetera. Um, but normally, typically what we see is that business that's sort of, you know, maybe not, maybe not, with the cash flow to get to a trade show yet or, or is and just, you know, scraping it together. Probably e-commerce land might, might be doing five, 10 grand online, maybe less, maybe more, depending on product. Potentially they're in a few doors. They've probably kicked in a few, you know, health food stores or IGAs, those progressive groups that want to try new things. Um, and, you know, anywhere from a couple of hundred grand to half a mil. Um, I've even got brands that are turning over, you know, in, in the eighties to hundreds, just depending on time and market you know, portfolios, depth and range. So um, we're really not limited to that. But what we do do is then we, once we get down and dirty on the, the three hour, three one hour discovery calls, we then start to tailor out, you know, firstly, are we a good fit? And if we are and we want to work together, let's tailor a contract that looks uh, that looks favorable for both. So we like long-term relationships with our brands. We like to come under long-term con- contracts. And, you know, if we invest a little up front, maybe we uh, you know we get to a place that we both work out great in the end. So there's a lot of belief, becomes a lot of trust and we walk the line together. So um, yeah, typical avatar, you've probably got maybe maybe one salesperson, definitely. Um, I think you definitely need to have someone in sales. You know, you've got ops, you've got some distribution, you've probably got a warehouse or 3PL, you're in market, you've got, you know, four or 500 doors, but you get to that glass ceiling mm-hmm. And what we found is that the, the brand owners don't know how to have a robust conversation. They don't know how to get a big guy involved. They don't know how to bring a Woolworths to the table. They don't know how to get Coles interested in having that conversation. They don't even know where to find the information. So we just enable that to happen and then also, you know, help them to build out, ensure that, you know, you would hate to get a national deal and then not be able to supply because you got a barcode wrong, you know, like that's just the little stuff that's sacrilege. So that's kind of what we do. But um, yeah, it's kind of, from an end goal perspective to support a brand and then sort of manage the, the sales and account management with them and have more conversations, better conversations with retailers every day. That's kind of, you know, it's not a one size fit all. And that's kind of our like our differentiator in market versus there's a few other businesses that do what we do. Um, they run a slightly different model. We're very open, transparent, collaborative. And, and yeah, we, we, we kind of pride ourselves on being able to work with some, some small brands at inception and taking them to, you know, we've got brands we've taken from zero to 10 mil that have got acquisitions on the table and, you know, uh, large market-leading brands going, hang on, these guys aren't just the annoyance now. They're, they're pulling serious market share. <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a conversation about making this problem go away, you know, or come in-house. So, and that's for us, like, that's probably the feather in our cap. Like, we kind of, Consult Group's business model is all about um, offering so much value to our clients, we actually render ourselves null and void. It sounds stupid, but... We actually build the sales team out to in their business to get them to a place where, you know, if a, if a business says to us, guys, we want to scale to 50 million and sell the business. Well, we go, guys, to do that, you're going to need in-house sales, marketing, ops, et cetera. Um, you know, we actually build out that team. We help them recruit and we get them set up. We get the right levers in place so they can have those conversations rather than rolling into the, to the conversation about acquisition and going, well, hang on, you've got a three-year turnaround before you get this right and then for us then you know our business model then evolves to being just a strategic consultant maybe um you know we charge a base retainer for something like that and then we just advise on you know coaching the team or maybe we help with innovation or maybe we just you know bring together cool r&d ideas and things like that so we kind of evolve with the client uh which is very exciting so then the brand's always able to 
to just really double down on what it does best. And um, yeah. And you'll, and you'll help them all the way through to, to, to the point potentially of exit. Mate, correct. If, that, if, that's the, if that's the intention, absolutely. Like, um, you know, there's so many different opportunities. It's so beautiful about, you know, $130 billion grocery FMCG business that is Australia. So many opportunities. Like, it's, it's whatever it could be. And you could start out with, you know, I want to be the biggest, you know, healthy soda range. And next thing you know, you're over here and you're making bulk, you know, non-alks and you're doing this and you're over in, you know, um, BWS. Like, it's the sky's the limit that's um you know as aussie consumers we love you know we love variety we love change we love new stuff we love sinking our teeth into what's different so we love new we love new new oh, is, we do. new is new is everything <laughs> some might say, some might say we get bored easy but you know we <laughs> like i <new>, <laughs> look at the positive um but, so um definitely. so um you know you know first chat when we when we spoke um a few weeks ago we talked about the majors and we talked about you know sometimes I feel like um, I feel like they get a bit of a bad name as a as a you know as tough negotiators and that type of thing, and I think that was one of the conversations that we had around the fact that hey they 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 do give opportunities to the right businesses. Um, can we expand a little bit on that? I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I'm a I mean I I've seen more and more independent brands getting into the Coles and the Woolworths of the world. It's much uh, much more than it used to be, and many more than it used to be. Um, can you run me through their shift over the last, say, five years or even two years or three years? Um, because I, I sense a lot more in, um, independent products in, on their shelves. Mate, absolutely. And I think it's a sign of the times as well. We, we, we saw some entrance of, you know, the German retailer that come to town and bought a very different model to our country, which was this private label, um, you know, set price sort of thing. And, and that's all great. But I think what's happened is, you know, you've got the you've got the Woolworths and the Coles in the world, and they've realised to really grow category and, and take on new segments and and you know build out some of these segments you see in health and pharmacy and other specialties. You actually need brands to do that and to tell that story. So um, they're definitely yeah. I've heard some. I've actually heard some. It's it's fascinating when I hear some of these these myths and wives' tales and whispers getting around. You know about how all these detrimental things can happen if you get it wrong, and and it's actually not that. You know, it's just you, you you just can't underestimate the scale. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, some of these retailers are a thousand plus doors and, you know, a lot of moving parts, a lot of products, a lot of things going in and out of the network. So I think you really have to understand that because their business model is, is quite a simple one, right? It's it's sell product. Um, the one thing you don't want to be doing is going out of stock. So I guess there's always that balancing pendulum, I feel, that, you know, they want to take risks. They want to trial new things. You know, um, as an example, Woolworths is, you know, working very closely on clustering ranging. So something they never did before. Now now they can go identify through their data and go, well, hang on, guys, we sell more uh, high-end performance coffee in this cluster of two, 300 stores. How about we double down on a couple of brands that make sense there versus there might be a demographic where they're more budget, you know, um, cheaper coffees and, and things like that where it wouldn't work. So they have the ability to do that now, which gives them that testing platform. But th there's always a risk element. And it goes back to what I said before. I think by mitigating that risk and showing, you know, um, back the brand, give us the space on shelf, that's sometimes the easiest part. How are you going to pull it off the shelf, right? So the retailer has all their assets and all their, you know, catalogs and all these different points and stuff like that. But I think, you know, how's that brand going to pull it off there? But they're definitely, um, you know, they definitely are open to trying new things. And I think it's just um, a matter of being being relevant, being seen there. One of the um, one of the little tips that I can give everyone that we like to use is when you do engage with these retailers, we we like to get links to our, um, and this is a little inside mate uh, knowledge that we like to play for all of our guys um we like to include a, a link to our website or our instagram because uh, buyers are consumers as well we start to forget that but the retailers are consumer as well and you gotta remember like a 25 30 year old buyer in, in like a particular health food category probably is a customer and they have instagram and they have social media and they have all those things so um, we like to to share yeah. with them because you know part of our marketplace is we have a beautiful Instagram. We've got amazing flat lights. Our product is you know delicious. So by the time we do that, and and naturally we all you know probably got all got an idea on how um, targeted marketing works. So then all of a sudden your brand keeps popping up in the feed, and and that helps you know when you roll into the meeting and they go, Chris, mate, we see you everywhere. What's going <laughs> on? You know. So, but I think um, 
Yeah, mate, they're, they're, they're genuine consumers of product. They genuinely want to, to grow with brands. Um, their only challenge is, you know, they're incredibly time poor. They don't have room for everyone and they're just trying to cut through and go, okay, cool. You know, if it's a collagen product, who does have the best collagen? Why? Why is the customer resonating with that? What does it look like? And then also, where can we take that next? You know, let's not pick a one-trick pony. Let's pick a brand that's got some scope to play in two, three categories. Maybe we pop up in medicinal. Maybe we're then over in vitamins. Maybe we've got a, a dairy chilled juice play. Who knows where we go? You know, the, the sky's the limit when you start building a customer base. But I think, mate, uh, it's an exciting place to be right now, I think, and you've nailed it, is that these retailers are really keen to to support and just be a part of the journey and the growth and, you know, um, build out what it is that our, you know, some of these categories look like. And how can a consumer brand get ready for this? Because we spoke, it's about getting ready. There's, if you, you can't promise scale unless you can deliver scale. You can't promise um, a price unless you can deliver that price at scale. There's a number of different variables. What can a, you know, up and coming brand that, is maybe turning over maybe two, 300,000, half of that being online, the rest being in stores. What can someone like that do to um, get their operations to a point where they can scale with, um, with a Woolworths or a Coles or a Met, Metcash, IGA, et cetera? Mate, it's, that's a really good question. And um, it's actually, it's, it's a question that we asked ourselves two years ago um, in, in the height of the pandemic and you know, understanding what was happening. We've actually built a uh, part of what we do is an onboarding program as a 10 module program. We actually teach brands to do exactly what you just asked. So <clears throat> 30 years of experience in doing this and, you know, so much knowledge and so many heads and we're going, wow, how do we, how do we take that to market at scale for a brand to understand just the things that can get wrong, the things you miss, the things you don't know, the things that might cost you a fortune down the track when you go, shit, I wish I knew left, not right, you know? So um, in answer to your question, it, it's a very, it's a very long one, but we've just built a, uh, it's called the Retail Excellence Program. So we, you know, help help brand owners achieve that retail excellence place, um, you know, and, and, and support from us. So they can sort of get on there and I alluded, I alluded to the market research, how important that piece is. But a part of the program is even just um, to be ready. You've got to send the right email with the right information at the right time. Um, as a part of the program, um, online course, very easy to follow, very intuitive. Um, you actually get our email template that our business consult group uses every day. It's how we pitch brands to retailers. We actually, you know, it's, it's a part of the uh, the program. There's a, there's a walkthrough. I, I, I share with the, the purchaser, the customer, what that's about, how to use it, how to populate it, when it's relevant. You know, I gave away one of the secrets about a little hyperlink to your Instagram to start following your buyers around, you know, not an accident, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, just that sort of thing. So there's, there's a number of things that we like to, you know, um, logistics, et cetera, that there's just little nuances that if you get them right, they pay dividends when you get to scale. Um, but mate, the reality is for me to explain all of it would be here for five hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but what I did do was I went, you know what? No one's actually doing it. Everyone kind of keeps that intelligence to themselves in mm. our game. But but our model, as I said, consultant is very collaborative with, with businesses and brands. We we would love to help everyone, but we just don't have the time. Um, so therefore, we built this online course. And, you know, for it costs $3,000 online, literally. And then you get basically access to 30 years of experience doing this ourselves for our own brands and others. Um, and the beautiful part is you get an hour session to debrief and, and get prepared with me one-on-one. -on -one. So um, a part of what we do is a bit of coaching as well. Um, some, some brands are amazing at sales. They're really good at this. They're actually, you know, they just need a little bit of support, guidance and coaching, you know, and we offer that as well. So, um, yeah, it's in answer to your question, it's a bloody long one. It's about 30 <laughs> years. It's, a bloody, it's about 30 years of info. But, mate, uh, yeah, there's a few little things that if you get those right, um, I think your retailer knows that because of the way your information is delivered and then their comfort level's there. And then you as a business, your comfort level's there because you know when this thing goes, you know, skyrockets, you're in a position you can scale. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you were talking about the, it's almost a fragmented nature of information because everything is at a brand level or, you know, I mean, if someone out there selling the product, they know how to sell their product really well or they know how to sell their category really well. But they keep that to themselves because they're going up against X amount of other categories and brands. So then you've got the same in every other category and brand. So it's very fragmented information. There's no, no one way to sell. I'd imagine there's hundreds and hundreds of good ideas of how to approach it and, and how to sell. 
Oh, definitely. And we're, we're doing, when we did, you know, obviously I preach market research. So I had to do some market research before I developed this online course. And I rang a few entrepreneurs and business owners and those real like hungry, hungry to scale and stuff. I actually had that conversation. I said, look, if knowing what you know now versus when you started knowing nothing, what's the one thing you wish you did different? And they always say, you know, Chris, we wish we just knew where to go to get information because we spent so much time. Like I Googled can manufacturers till midnight every night, you know, and I rang everyone and got no emails and things like that. So, you know, people are kind of looking at going, Chris, for $3,000, you're just going to tell me the right right people to talk to and where to go. And, and that's a part of what, what the Retail Excellence Program, but also working with us as a brand is you get 30-year network. You know, if, if you ring me and say, hey, Chris, we need to talk to someone about this and we don't know, no one knows, <laughs> you know, like we just have that. So, you know, being incredibly time poor as we all are, some of these brand owners are going, you know, Chris, I just want to make one phone call to the right person and then get to where I need to get to versus, you know, you don't want to sit 100 meetings talking to everyone and just pitching your can concept over and over again and then landing back at net zero going, well, well shit, I'm no better off. Like, I don't have mm. anyone, you know. So yep. I've been kind of like led down the garden path. So, yeah, it's um, that's probably one thing is, is upon reflection in our market research was um, if they knew what they knew before, uh, now they would definitely just want to have this one-stop shop to go, listen, I need this, I need that. And, you know, our business might not support, but we're really proud of the ecosystem that we've we've built where, you know, you get thrown into to our sort of um, think tank, essentially. We can throw you over to particular guys. Like I just had someone reach out to me today and say, Chris, I want to restructure my business and go and get some trademarks for what I'm doing. And, you know, for me, I'm not a trade lawyer and I'm not an accountant. So, but I have some some solid people in the network that can support. So, you know, you just those little things there that just speed the process up, and it's in, invaluable to the business owner and the brand owner. And it just means that, you know, they get so much better outcome versus sitting there in a couple of years' time scratching your head, going, "Hang on, we're going backwards, and I don't know why." You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. One one, it's interesting. I just I just reflected then on on a a situation where kind of one moment or one introduction or one person was able to completely shift the way that we went about our business. I mean, we had no idea how to find software customers um, when we started the business. And we were lucky enough to meet someone at an accelerator who said, oh, you guys should go to this conference, this um, this um, apps, it was called Apps for Wholesalers in, in 2000 and 2020 it was. And um, sorry, uh, yeah, 2020. And at this apps for wholesalers conference, it was basically a, a one day lesson on how all of the systems interact with each other, how all of the, um, how all the integration partners all interact with each other and who's who in the zoo basically. And it was 150 of our potential referral partners in one room. So it's amazing if you've got one person that actually knows actually knows who's been in the industry a long time and, and actually knows it can save you it, we could have been doing that for years without without uncovering that you know man absolutely so much value um as we always say the more you know the more you know you need to know mm. you know like you just you don't know where to look you find some information and it just opens up this whole new world and you're like all right cool let's explore this you know but being pointed in the right direction is incredibly valuable and i think it's something that I like to reflecting back on us as well. It's something that I really wanted to, to, to just really drive home in the retail excellence piece was we've done this so many times. Like we've genuinely seen the trials, the tribulations and the success of building a brand or building a business in this Australian market. Um, walk the path alone if you like, but I'm telling you, we can help you get there by, by just, you know. <laughs> Much by, faster. By <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we, you know, it, it might save you some money, have a better outcome, you speed the process up because, you know, we all, we all want to see success fast but there's a number of things you need to tick on the way through but yeah mate it's exactly as you say right it's um that sort of thing that opens you up to a whole new world for your business right and i'm, I'm assuming it would help you scale you know infinitely just 20, out of that. 20 times faster like we could have yeah. been if we had have been doing cold calling and cold emailing and all the rest of it wouldn't have gotten near where, where we are today so it was a it was a game changer for us and showed us how this this our, our industry works you know um yeah mate, definitely. so so I know you probably can't give us a huge amount of detail of particular um, brands that you work with and that type of thing, but can you give me a, um, a general idea of a, um, or, or maybe you can, I'm not sure, an idea of a, a brand that you've worked with and kind of where you've got them up to a point where they, you know, become, um, become profitable and that type of thing, because there is that, 
that that scale up phase where people will be getting investment from outside sources and, and all that type of thing. Can you run mm. me through um, run me through maybe an example or just an idea of an example um, of, of how you've done that? Yeah, definitely. So I think, um, mate, we don't normally, the way that our business works is we, we, we have a very tight confidentiality with a lot of our brands because they yeah. like to, to walk the path alone. Uh, on our website, you can find a few testimonials from some businesses we have worked with before. You know, we were a, a very big um, part of launching Hershey's and Reese's from the US into Australia many, many moons ago. So um, that sort of came about through yeah. distributors and 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 then importing the product and then taking it to market and just understanding the nuances there. But from a business perspective and a brand, it's super important that we understand early. That's why the discovery calls are so important to understand, you know, uh, capital restraints, where do we want to be? What does that look like? Um, we like to request a capabilities document from our business. Um, it's always advantageous if the business is a manufacturer themselves because it just gives you some more scalability and it also gives you a bit of profit there that you're going to need. Um, so we like to understand that. Then what we like to do is uh, deploy some of our research that we find um, back into them. So we have a lot of, we're fortunate in our business, I have a lot of strategy sessions and I like to, to sort of just pull things apart and think tank ideas with retailers and buyers because they want they want growth, you know, they want to bring new things to market. So I sort of workshop with them and go, guys, if we're going to do this in this category, what would it look like? You know, what, what could it be in five years' time? And then reverse engineer some of that stuff and then take it back to brand. So instead of just going and shoot from the hip and hope for the best and, you know, launching your coffee product and going, geez, I wonder what's going to happen next, we reverse engineer it going, okay, the strategy of the retailer is X, we're at Y, how are we going to bridge the gap? Where are we going to get there? How do we tell that story? That's incredibly important. Um, the most important part when you are scaling a brand, you've got your first win is how do you grow your share of voice? Um, so, you know, I often say to brands, getting you into Woolworths or Coles or any retailer, it's super easy. It's actually really, really easy. If you have a good conversation, build good commercials and offer good conviction, that's really easy. It's pulling it off the shelf that can be difficult. How do you stand out from the crowd? How do you shift consumers' behavior? If you're that $3.50, now $4 muesli bar, how are you making mum buy you? Is that when she gets to the shelf or is that too late? Are you having to tell her before she comes? What's your marketing look like? Um, you know, what's your scale, your distribution, your MPD. Once you start to do that, you start to have that conversation, then it's really important that you've got um, MPD, new product development coming through. So we now realize that mum really likes our no sugar muesli bar. Great. Let's give her three more flavors. Let's give her a multi-pack. Let's give her a, um, an evening bar. Let's give her an AM bar. Maybe we give her a bar. Maybe we've got a bag you make at home and you make yourself. And we've now got an ice cream collab going with, you know, a vegan ice cream brand. You know, like that's where we, so what we do is with the brand is we keep them in check on the ops side and keep scaling them with them. But how do we enter more categories that make sense, add value to brands and add value to category? And then from a retailer's perspective, they look at that and go, wow, these guys are, you know, really taking it on. Like I can think of some brands that I don't represent, which I'll openly share because I I'm, I'm admire what they do. My Healthy Lab is a beautiful example of just sheer scale, ability to take on market and just build good products. And just put it in the market, you know? So, you know, taking a protein ball to chilled, coating it, doing a collab with Panna, all these things like, again, as I said, we don't, we don't look after them, but we watch in awe and go, you know what? That's every move they make is smart. You know, they're relevant, the consumer eats it, and they're taking us on this journey. Um, so I think that's really, really important. Um, and then, you know, just, it comes, it does come back to marketing, it comes back to, to is the brand good enough? Does it stand out? And that's something that we, often communicate to our brands is like guys let's get space on the shelf that's you know somewhat easy not going to say it's lay down it's there easy but it's somewhat easy but is your brand going to stack up and is it going to be relevant enough for it to shift the needle um and you know it comes back to those things like that e-commerce world that conversation with customer your value proposition has got to be right you know your product's got to taste good you know we, we might want healthy better products we might want all these things but Mate, we're human beings. We like things to taste good. We like to chew our food. You know, like that's 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 a definite. Um, you know, we are big foodies down here. So, um, I think that's that, that's really key. So, does that sort of does that cover your questions? It give you a bit it of does. An idea? No, no, it does. It does. It's a really good answer. Just when you're when you're going through each of those points, it really outlines how much there is to do in these businesses. And you know, I know from being a business owner myself for you know over ten years, when you're scaling and when you're servicing customers and when you're growing you forget about product development. You forget about 
Um, you know, you forget about some of the things that have got you to where you are, whether whether it's the fact that you were innovative or whether it's the fact that um, you filled a gap that you filled a gap that was obvious but needed filling. You need to keep filling that gap with something new. So it just shows the the um, the complexity of every business, every business that anyone is involved in. If it's successful, it is complex, and there's a lot of different moving parts. I think people from the outside, I mean, we go to, go to a store, we see something on the shelf, we buy it and we pay some money for it and then we walk away. What goes into getting it there? If people had that idea, it would just, it would blow their mind. Mate, I 100% agree. And I think that it's a fascinating place. And that's, I guess, coming back to the start of the combo, that's what drew, drew me into this world. You know, my fascination for how does it go from, you know, like, how does it go from here to there? And I still remember as a kid walking around the local Franklin's back when that was a thing and just picking product Franklin's. up in one place, you know, literally blasting <laughs> the past. I'd pick up a, you know, a packet of Tim Tams and put it in the dishwashing aisle and go, oh, well, I wonder whose day that upsets, you know? Like I was just fascinated by that world because I'm like, how can all of these things exist cohesively together and still, you know, it still moves? So, yeah, mate, you've, you've nailed it. There's so many things that I guess you don't know um, and a lot of things that people don't realise behind the scenes that when you go and buy a $2 protein bar, just the amount of moving parts in that product to deliver it, you know, and who, who's getting what and everyone's obviously got to make their money through it and you, you'll start to realise as you do that, uh, it's about scale. You need volume in that world. But yeah, mate, it's, it's incredibly fascinating. And I think for us, one of the mantras for our business is we like to act as if we're a business partner to our brand owners because you touched on and nailed something just there is that you can get lost in the noise of it all. Scale can happen fast, sometimes too fast. You're in the trenches. Um, maybe you lose sight of the why, what we what we work through in the discoveries. But our role and what we like to do as you know, sales, strategic advice, support for the brand is be true north. So like actually challenge you and go, okay, cool. Like we can do that, but is that really part of the brand ethos? Are we losing who we are now? Are we really best poised to do that? Are we chasing a revenue fab or are we actually setting a trend here? Like what are we doing? You know, for someone to go and a brand to FOMO into kombucha three years ago, I bet you they're not still there now. You know, like it's everyone sort of chases that, but it's like if that's your brand proposition and you're a probiotics company and you want to be the best in market kombucha, you absolutely should play. But coming back to True North, coming back to what your brand ethos is, our, our role in our business is to make sure that we fail there, but we challenge that business to be best in class of what they do. It's too hard to be a jack of all trades. You have to, you have to, you got to get a narrow, narrow area and nail it. And then once you've nailed it, you can think about it, but very, very hard to be across multiple areas. You're talking about moving parts before. It kind of brings me to the last thing and maybe the longest thing I wanted to talk to you about. And that's cost fluctuation on getting stuff from point A to B to C to D. We all know that um, inflation is firing and inflation is firing much more at that wholesale level selling than it is at the retail level, I think. Um, certainly in the States um, who, you know, I'm looking at the States in the UK as, you know, three or four months before Australia and the numbers are kind of stacking up that way. Hmm. Do you what do you think the bottom is of this? Where where do you think the prices will go? And what can what can um, product sellers do to mitigate as much of the as much of the risk as humanly possible? Mate, it's a really good question, and it is um, obviously as I said, I've come from naturally good expo, you know, for the last two days, and, and it was a topic on everyone's lips. Like we, everyone wants to be better with packaging. We want sustainable packaging. It's you know, it's not the most cost-effective option. Um, big commitments to volume. Everyone's a little bit gun shy about that. You know, not a lot of innovation, as in you know, spending a lot of money on a new product and taking risks. So um, yeah, there's definitely that. There's a bit of apprehension around the space, um, around where it goes. Um, part of your question: When do I? When do I believe? From what I see in here, we'll start to see the true effects. Um, I believe, you know, towards the end of this uh, next financial year, so maybe, you know, where we are now, March, April, May, June next year, I think we're really going to feel the pinch. Very different Christmas coming, I believe. Um, not doom and gloom, but I definitely, I definitely think we're going to start to feel it. Um, we've had some really uh, detrimental environmental factors happen here with, with flooding, et cetera. Mm. So we are struggling. We're struggling with a lot of products ourselves. Uh, we're struggling to get products in. Um, you know, our business, uh, all businesses in this country are heavily reliant on an imported supply chain, whether it's, you know, raw materials, whether it's packaging, whether it's all of the above, um, you know, labor's a challenge. So 
these compounding issues are having an effect. Um, retailers are across it, aware and receptive. I think, you know, there's gone to the days when you could never really raise a price. Um, not every anyone's intention. We want to sell more, not less, and prices up doesn't make sense, but there's some genuine pressure there. Um, I think, yeah, we're going to start to really see it, uh, the pressure feel there. From a, from a what can a brand do, um, my market knowledge, our business's knowledge and what we hear leave, um, build the best version of a inverted commas budget option or best value option for the customer. So forget about the retailer now for a second. They've, you know, we've, we've still got to sell stock. We've still got to hit the shelf, et cetera. Let's think about the customer for a second. Um, you know, we're, we're feeling a price pinch. We're feeling, you know, different things are going up. Inflation's happening, et cetera. Um, we still have to eat food. What luxury item at the supermarket are we going to forgo? What product are we going to skim? You know, are we going to stop buying protein bars and, and just cook veggies because we're at home more? Um, well, what are we going to give up? To then, um, to then do that. And I think from a brand's perspective, they should be challenging, challenging themselves to find a, a value option. So if you, if you sell protein balls, you should be selling a multi-pack for a third of the price. How are you going to do that? Well, you've got to go back to your manufacturers, your suppliers, really work with them and go, guys, how are we going to get this product to a certain price point? What's that got to look like? You know, like, so um, we're hearing a lot from all retailers, uh, irrespective of their size, that, you know, they're really looking to double down on the value offers. You know, we're going to see, look to meat section, you're going to see sausages, mints, those kind of core staples, cheaper, mm-hmm. cheaper eating. That's really going to happen. Um, aff- look, some of the affluent suburbs are still going to be there, but look, luxury, um, disposable spend may dip slightly. So what does that look like? What are those products? So if I'm a brand and I've got, you know, four or 500 doors, and I am something that's replaceable. I am a product that's maybe, you know, a luxury, nice to have, et cetera. Who's a brand I can partner with to collab on a value prop? How mm. can I redo a subsection of my category and have my premium version or my entry-level product? What does that look like? So that's where I'd be investing, and that and that won't go away. Uh, I think for the next couple of years, if you're a business and you you pivot your brand to have your premium, you know, best in class, this is the best we've got versus an entry-level product which ticks a few boxes for a lunchbox for mum or a, you know, a family and stuff like that. So um, I genuinely believe that's what any brand should be doing and that's what conversations we're having with our with our sort of um, our brands and businesses. And then also, how do we get more bang for buck? So ensuring we're clearly communicating our cost per serve or, you know, if we're a powder product, how many serves you get? What's that equate to? How many days a week am I taking that? To just start to really compartmentalize the customer's spend. Um, if it's $2 a day, okay, yep, probably the you know, same price as a coffee or whatever it is. Understanding that to break down the rationale. Um, but yeah, mate, genuinely to answer your question, I, I believe if you're not looking at a value, op- value option um, and really leveraging that e-commerce that you should have built in the last two years, having a direct conversation with your customer, it's the most profitable for the brand. Yeah, you've got to ship it to them, get it. But you know we're getting better at that here. But I think if you're not offering a better, you know, better value option to your customer directly, it's it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging, and those those pressures aren't going away. And I think the the overarching idea of what you just said is don't do nothing because correct. There's going to be there'll be a lot of businesses that. Um, go into their shell a little bit and they do nothing and they'll be the first to get eaten by, by, by others who, who are actually out there innovating. So that's really what I got from that is, is keep busy, keep making changes and, 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 and keep improving because if you sit there and do nothing and just hope it'll go away, it's going to take a lot longer to go away. <laughs> Mate, I couldn't agree more. Complacency will kill, um, you know, so just, just, just pivot, try new things. There's so many, um, there's so many different, uh, outlets now where you can you can retail products or get you know challenge challenge yourself and your brand and your business to find different outcomes you know there's different buying groups there's different channels there's different places all these retailers are, are still trying to drive sales and drive dollars through the till um, have different conversations you know explore different options look at other brands in similar categories to you what are they doing you know like there's a brand on the gold coast that i often talk to is um uh, Mr. Consistent, they do a beautiful product of um, of cocktail mixes, you know, um, really nice cordial bases. It delivers you an amazing product, right? But what I'm fascinated by, uh, I just watch the guys in in uh, and admire, is where they pop up. 
you know, you go into your pillow talks and there's product there and you go into your, your boutique style, um, you know, buy gift style shops and they're in there and you're like, you know what, testament. These guys are everywhere. They're challenging the status quo and they're trying to find customers wherever the customer is, you know, meet mm. the customer, meet the customer where the customer is. So I think as a brand and a business, you should be doing that market research, that due diligence regularly. You should be challenging yourself to find different opportunities. And, you know, we're now back out of quarantines and stuff. Get out there and talk to people, understand mm. what's going on, you know, have those conversations. And as you've just said, mate, your conversation led you to a room of, of potential customers, right? Talk to the the person at the retail shop. They might just happen to know the owner of such and such. The next thing you know, you're, you're having another fruitful conversation. So, yes, and it, and it feels good to get out there and talk to people again. I mean, you go to you know you go you go to events and functions and with people that you may not have been overly joyed to be speaking to two years ago, but now you're you're happy to have happy to have the face to face conversations and interaction now. Mate, couldn't agree more. And I actually said it to a few people that I met in person at Naturally Good. I said, guys, mate, you're taller than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> you're very different to the two by two that I'm used to seeing. But, you know, it's that's that's, that's what we do, right? Are, and, you know, these businesses and these brands, you need to collaborate. You need to get out there and network and, and have conversations. And then, you know, we've, it's not doom and gloom in any way, shape or form. We're still a very robust country and we will bounce back. But I think, you know, don't let complacency kill. You and know, you learn you also learn that it's not not just you. It's a it's everyone else is in the same boat. I think it's very isolating, or it has been isolating, not just from a you know social standpoint, but from a, a where do I sit kind of standpoint. Mate, definitely. And um, I think question for you, um, just on I guess on the background of your business and, and some of the stuff you've alluded to, reflecting on your past experiences, a question I like to ask people is what what do you what do you know now that you wish you knew before. You know, like in business and brand building and all the things that you're doing. Well, what's something that you wish that, you know, when you look back now and go after a decade on, if I just knew this little nugget, <laughs> yeah. what would that be? Or, or there's probably a hundred to be fair, but you know, that um, that uh, setting up a business the right way is the most important thing you can do. Uh, or sorry, one of the most important things you can do. I think you can when you're young, you can um, you might not have everything in place to set it up, and that's fine. But you need to make sure the big rocks are set up properly because how do you scale off no base? How do you scale with no legals? How do you um, how do you get out there and find customers and find um, you know get and and find find customers if you don't have contracts? Just all these things when you're in your early twenties and you start a business, they're not at the, at the top of mind. You're about sales, 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 and more sales, and that's where your head's at. I think um, also there's a lot of there's a lot of um, that this actually led me to the current business is. There's a lot of businesses that go bust from no fault of their own or their only fault was that they couldn't collect the money that was owed to them. And that's one thing mm. that it's one thing that, um, you know, certainly selfishly in a software as a service business, everyone prepays. So it's just, it's, you know, it's just standard in the software industry. They pay on a monthly basis, but they prepay. So um, that's one of the things I love about the current business and I hate it about my old business. So, mm. you know, it's, um, there's a bunch of things, there's a bunch of things, but they're probably the, they're probably the core ones is um, cash is king and uh, it's better to get it earlier sooner rather than later. <laughs> Mate, couldn't agree more. No, it's a fascinating one. I like to ask that question and it's, it, it's, it's definitely one you hear. And I think that's where, part of the challenges thing that we're going to see and then that that pressure that um and that's, this is not just our industry right like our food and consumer and, and and software industry like think about the building industry and stuff like that like you've got cool. as though as those things start to compound where you know one guy doesn't get paid so he can't pay the contractor he can't pay the subby and then it just it starts to roll and that compounding issue becomes a really big snowball rolling downhill and and that and I think you're 100 percent right and that's where a business can go out with the best of intentions and then you know all pure and unfortunately by circumstance can go under just purely because of you know a cash flow issue which you know was or wasn't in their control so I think yeah mate you're 100 right how do you how do you in the new world structure your business that you know your value proposition to your customers is very clear but they understand the cost associated to to cover that you know fascinating. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is if to not stuff it up in the future, you have to learn it in the past. That's often, that's often the, um, you know, the silver bullet to, to never making that mistake and fucking up again like that is, yep. is to have it done to you. And it happens to a lot of people and a lot of people learn. Um, I hope that some people don't, uh, I hope that, you know, everyone does learn, but who knows? Mm. Um, mate, where can people find you? Mate, definitely. So for us, um, we're consultgroup.co online is where you'll find our, our main website. We've got 
the retail excellence program. So just retailexcellence.co.co. Um, or I'm, I'm fairly active on, on LinkedIn. My profile there is Chris Kiddo. Um, I like to just share value with people. We just like to give as much information as we can because when you're armed with it, we like to do that. Um, best thing they can do is, um, you know, jump online, send us an email. Uh, we've got a phone number there, ring the office. We've got a massive team. We'd love to talk to anyone. Um, yeah, we're just here to help, mate. We're normally, we're normally fairly accessible. We're getting out and about to more trade shows now, and um, which is exciting and being around our industry, which is, which is quite cool. But yeah, mate, any, any of the normal sort of uh, business style platforms, that's where you'll find us. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Mate, appreciate you too. That's awesome. Thanks, Cheers. Thanks for tuning into Product Hub. This episode was brought to you by PencilPay, the world's fastest credit application and payment software for product sellers and their wholesale customers. If you sell products on payment terms, check us out at www.pencilpay.com and start getting paid on time today. I'm your host, Tim Dimitriou. See you next time.